Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Shock Your Potential, the business podcast focusing on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. Today I have a very special guest and primarily because today is Valentine's Day, a day of love, a day of hope, a day of celebrating those things that bind us together. And my guest today makes that happen for people in a way that allows them to enjoy their day at times because she happens to be a wedding planner. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, my friend, Haley Bergen. Haley, thank you for joining me today. Well, hi, Michael. I'm excited to do this today with you. I am too. And as we go through this, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, Haley and I go way, way back uh, all through high school, which seems like a long, long time ago. Not that long. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we might share some stories that'll be tales to tell, or we might keep those secret. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) So Haley, welcome. And why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Well, thank you. I own Halo Weddings and Events. We're an event production and design company. I do corporate events like uh, retreats, holiday parties, uh, annual meetings. And I also do social events, birthday parties, anniversaries. But right now I'm really focusing on weddings. I work in the Northwest, um, but also across the U.S. and as far away as Mexico and Hawaii. So I saw that on your website that uh, you've done some weddings that are out on the East Coast, and sometimes Mm -hmm. you get a chance to hop on an airplane, go someplace fabulous to be a part of the big day. Absolutely. Uh, Bride and grooms so often now aren't getting married where they live. So I have local clients that are getting married as far away as Baltimore, because that's where they have family, or down in Puerto Vallarta, or even eloping to Maui. I love it. Gosh, that it seems like a a really great idea, especially if you get to go along for the ride. Absolutely. Very fortunate. (laughs) So for somebody who, you know, tell me now, I've never used a wedding planner. Um, In fact, when my husband and I got married, we had um, kind of an unusual wedding at his family lake place in northern Minnesota. So for our gifts, for our um, people that came to celebrate with us, everybody got a lawn chair and a beer koozie. 
So oh, that's that, so creative. I love that. That was our theme was everybody was relaxed. Everybody could come in flip flops. And before and after the ceremony, everybody was in swimsuits and, and uh, hanging out in the water. And it was very relaxed, which was just what we needed. But part of every girl's dream, I think, at some point is to have that big, beautiful wedding. And so that's something that you help people pull off. But, you know, what makes somebody pick up the phone and call you the first time? Well, I get brides typically at two different stages in their planning. Oftentimes, as soon as they get engaged, they're a little overwhelmed and they need help finding a venue. And just the overall design of the wedding, is it going to be more religious in nature, more of a party? So kind of coming up with the theme, a budget, and the venue, and some of their major uh, vendors, florist, bakery, um, caterer. And then there's usually kind of a lull. And then I get another group of brides, oh, about three months prior, where they really thought they had it under control and have booked all the big stuff. But this is the DIY bride. They thought they could do the centerpieces and the place cards and the welcome gifts, and they just get overwhelmed. Plus, they want someone to run the day of. And I think the day of is where wedding coordinators really shine. We can help make that day more enjoyable, a lot less stress for you and your family, and really keep you on target and on task. Because the day goes by, as you know, the day goes by so quickly. If you have someone really timing out your activities and making sure that you get the photos in, the special dances, the toasts, takes a lot of pressure off you. Absolutely. So you can actually just enjoy the day, which is supposed to be a celebration, not a lot of extra stress. Exactly. So what role, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking kind of this role of, you know, Pinterest, because now I, I only use Pinterest for a couple things. I use it for uh, my whatever nail designs I want, because anyone who knows me knows I have crazy fingernails and hair colors and cuts because I now have these, you know, wild hair colors all the time. And then also uh, recently I was just working, I've worked with a, uh, a gal who's a personal shopper and I, I, worked with her a little over a year ago to start really planning and, and uh, you know, kind of really getting a, a theme behind how I wanted to present myself when I do my speaking. So, you know, that's been great. And I interviewed her for my podcast, but I told her, I said, you know, I feel like it's time now to work on kind of this casual Michael look. So <laughs> I just said, here's a bunch of uh, things that I put on Pinterest. <laughs> Can you help me figure this out? So, you know, do you use things like that with your brides to help you get a feel for or, you know, what they're looking for, or maybe what they even started to do themselves that maybe they are ready to kind of throw in the towel on? Absolutely. We use Pinterest. I think in any customer relationship, communication really is the key. And Pinterest allows the bride to share with me her inspiration and uh, dreams that she has for her wedding day. It's kind of a double-edged sword in that I love to see their ideas, but what I do is a creative profession. And I have lots of other ideas that don't just exist on Pinterest. <laughs> and I enjoy seeing what they want, but also tweaking them. So that they're more original and unique to the bride. And also, I don't want her to feel that she needs to do everything. You can really edit your Pinterest inspiration board and maybe choose to do a few of the ideas. So basically, you know, what I hear you saying is communication, you know, is is a critical point in whether or not you provide that bride with an exceptional customer experience. So talk to me a little bit about that. You know, what role and how do you use communication to get to that endpoint with them? 
Well, a wedding day is fraught (laughs) with um, expectations. Um, There's a lot of stress. They're spending a lot of money. Friends and family are there. And it's important to me to understand, first of all, what the bride's visual dream is, um, the big white dress or walking down the aisle, but also more in her heart and more spiritually what she wants of the day. Does she want calm and peace? Um, Does she have a faithful component or a religious component? And then also what type of party and celebration does she want? So a bride might not know that I need to understand all of these things. And I have a pretty elaborate questionnaire that I give all my brides. And then we go over it together. And I asked some very difficult questions, like what are some of the roadblocks to your happiness in your day? And I'll hear things about family dynamics or financial issues. And I need to learn more about their family in terms of, do we have elderly people coming or is there someone in a wheelchair? So I can accommodate everybody that's coming to celebrate with them. And it's so important that they feel that they can talk to me about anything. So yes, I'd love to say all we do is tie ribbons on things and it's tool and white lights, but a lot of it is um, an emotional connection with my bride and groom. Well, and there's so many, like you said earlier, there's so many emotional triggers, not just because of the joy or having people there, but you know, you're, you're pulling people together in different dynamics, uh, especially family dynamics today. So, you know, if you have uh, maybe a bride who's not as comfortable with her mother-in-law to be, um, you know, how does she share, you know, the, the, the way that you look and listen to know whether or not that's important to her or, you know, whether she can share that with you, that there's, there's a lot of landmines in this and an emotionally charged environment makes everything all the more difficult. And there's a lot of discretion. There are times where I might have a mother of the bride coming to me with one expectation. I may even have a groom come to me with a different expectation. So I really try and listen to what they're saying and navigate the issue without making it too obvious to anyone that there isn't an issue. And it might be even a groom wants her tradition, the mother-in-law or the mother of the bride doesn't want honored. And so really having to navigate that and work with the family members. That would be, gosh, you know, you just think about a lot of the people that are listening to the podcast are in business at some level and sales at some level, not all, but uh, quite a number of them. And, you know, if you think about this, it's not any different, frankly, than any other kind of sales process or business negotiation, except for the increased heightened emotional landmines that you could trip over without knowing them. You know, have you ever had a time where you've had to kind of pull everybody together and just say, look, you've got six different major ideas here and and I want to help you find the the road between them all? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I also, into my planning, I strategically place things so that I'm never caught in a room with six people with different ideas. That's a great, great component. Control where you are. Well, it is. I think this whole process, a lot of it is knowledge and experience. And I know that if I get all of the players in a room with their ideas, it might not ever end. So I will meet with the person that hires me. And then I will meet with the bride and groom um, privately. 
and hear of any landmines. And then sometimes then I'll approach the in-law or another person that's involved and I'll meet with them privately. So by the time we get to the rehearsal, there's no more discussion. Very good. And then you've taken care of those things that could steer you off course by handling them all with individual respect. Correct. So let me ask you then, you have a background in this that goes beyond just planning weddings. So what I wanted to ask you was to share a little bit, something I know you and I have visited about in the past, about your history and what got you into doing these events and especially weddings, why you love them so much. But also I'd like to have you share a little bit about that role you play behind the scenes where you have so many different people. You know, you've got to, of course, you're there for the family, but you've also got to navigate around uh, chefs and florists and uh, the DJ or whomever, you know, how do you pull all those things together so the the rest of the day behind the scene scenes runs seamlessly while keeping everything in motion? Well, my background is in hospitality. I spent almost 15 years in luxury hotel sales and catering sales in the Seattle market. And before that, through college and building my career, I've done just about every job you can think of in a in a hotel, in a restaurant. I've been a busser, a waitress, a dishwasher, a catering manager, director of sales. So I've kind of come up through the ranks. And I have been both a, a corporate event planner as well as a social event planner. So I've kind of moved through all these different levels of planning. And when a bride comes to me and and she starts talking about her vision, not only do I have all this heartfelt emotion and, and design and excitement for her, but in my mind, I'm also going through a lot of the operational procedures of her wedding and how we turn rooms and who we hire and logistically how many restrooms we need and where's the parking. So there's all the beautiful side of it, but someone has to do kind of the work of the day. And that's really when I do the day of all the planning is done. Who's walking who down the aisle and the songs are already chosen. And that's kind of the icing on the cake, but someone has to make the cake. And I think because of my years in um, hospitality operations, that I am able to walk into a venue on the day of the wedding and really understand what they're trying to get done. They may have this bride, but they may have other weddings that weekend. And I definitely need the valet and the front desk and the banquet servers. We need to all be on the same page. And so I think with um, knowledge and experience and respect, I'm able to pull together these teams that really change week to week during the summer. I'm never at the exact same place with the exact same team. So I'm team building every week. I love that concept. That's a that's a really important concept, I think, just to, to take stock of for a moment. You're, you have to create a team that's aligned to your vision and what you need to accomplish every week in a different venue with different players. That is, that's a significant challenge. With different expectations of the bride. So uh, sometimes, and it's, I love if, I, I know that you, in fact, you and I were both dancers. We danced together on an all city dance team. And you know the moment when everyone's in step and they're, we're dancing to the music and it's just, there's just a groove. Yes. 
and we're all together. And that's what happens at a really good wedding reception, where all of a sudden you look up and the bartender catches your eye and the bar is going great and the food's going great and the DJ's happy and the bride is laughing. And there's that, that magic moment in every reception where you think we are in sync right now. Anything can happen and we have got it. <laughs> You're like, this is rocking. I'm happy. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> and that's important. I think, you know, a lot of the people that, that are listening to the podcast and interacting with me, you know, we talk about leadership and what does it take, you know, in so many levels. And I think some, I think the, the key piece here, and you know, maybe you can, you know, say you agree or disagree is, uh, is for our ability as leaders to have a lack of ego because if you can take yourself out of it, um, and I know I've heard you say before, heck, you know, if I need to go back there and wash dishes, I'm going to go back there and wash dishes because it doesn't matter as long as I can get it done. What matters is the end result for that bride, the bride's family, that experience. So I don't have to, you know, be the fancy one. I can get my hands dirty and I will get my hands dirty when need be. Well, the the truth is, and when we have talked about the different positions and in pulling together a great event. Um, every person is important. I can't pull this off without a great cook. I can't pull this off without a dishwasher. I can't pull this off without someone shoveling the snow off the stairs for the bride and groom to exit the building. And if any one of these components aren't there, it's hard on everybody. And so when I work with a team, whether it's at a, a, a venue or a private home, we all are equal because we, not one of us can fall down without pulling the rest of us down. Absolutely. I think what I don't, if people that aren't in the hospitality industry, what they might not realize is we know this, you know, there, there's a reason that your waiters tip the bussers and that the cooks give waiters extra good food at the end of the night, or the waiters buy a cook a drink. There is a reason that we all work together so well. It's because, um, our relationships are so dependent on each other. Mutually dependent, exactly. And I think the more that we recognize that in any line of business or any, frankly, personal interactions that we have with people, it, it means that we give everybody a little bit of a break and kind of anticipate that we are all operating for good. <laughs> I would say mm -hmm. use your powers for good, not evil, but it takes a leap of faith with us all. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those experiences are great reminders for all of us to have respect for one another, really see how we all play together. So I think it's a great lead into the next question that I want to ask you is, you know, as you put this together, you know, most of us compile who we are and how we choose to perform professionally based on other things that we've seen, other people that have mentored us. But, you know, I, I, I'd like to ask it in this way, you know, what's the best example of a positive leadership sales or customer experience that you've been the recipient of that is something that sticks with you and that stays in the back of your mind as you continue to advance in, in this part of your career? Really, I feel that I I receive good customer service most of the time. And I think part of it is the approach that I have to people. Um, and I know we're from the same area and we're friendly people. Mm -hmm. um, but when I walk into a store or a restaurant, I go in with the attitude of we're going to have a great experience together. And so I think you get good service so oftentimes when you give a good attitude. I agree without a doubt. 
even when things start going bad, my my big key when you check into a hotel and something's going awry and it's not going the way you want it, I always just say to the front desk, you know, I'm going to go sit down and have a cup of coffee and you work this out and I'll come back in about 10 minutes. That's It beautiful. always works. Every single time it works, I get a better room, I get an upgrade. It always works out because they just need some time to get through. And sometimes some space, just the opportunity mm-hmm. to go, okay, I need to take a deep breath. I know we screwed up, you know, and how can we reset this without you standing there looking at them? Yes. <laughs> I never, I never yes. thought of that. That's fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to make, I it will works. probably have to use that next week somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so those are for the big things. Um, on a more intimate level or a daily level here in Spokane, there's a an athletic club called the Spokane Club. And I've been going there for about 15 years. And the staff there starts to know you. And that's a wonderful feeling. And, and if anyone that is a regular at a restaurant or a bar, you love that feeling. They walk in, they have your drink. Um, but when I think of exceptional customer service, there is a gentleman that works in the the restaurant and bar and his name is Clark. And years ago when I joined and I was newly married, Clark would greet me and say, well, hello, Mrs. Bergen. And I pulled him aside and I said, oh, Clark, you don't need to call me Mrs. Bergen. That's my mother-in-law. You can call me Haley. And he said, no, He goes, I call my customers Mr. and Mrs. That's how I address the members. And at first I thought, oh, it's a little stodgy. But then I started paying more attention to Clark. And what I noticed about him is he is in his workplace. He is doing his profession. And he is a professional. And by addressing people as Mr. and Mrs., he was getting the respect back that he put out. And when people talk about Clark at the club or when people see him, I've taken yoga next to Clark. So we're very much equals. But how he keeps his space from us is by making sure that that we respect that he's at work. And I, I just really admire him for being so friendly and so kind and so easy, but also um, really making us kind of toe the line in how we treat him. I think that is is such a unique um, story. I'm so glad you shared that because, you know, I, I could see I would have the same first response of, oh, well, you don't need to be so formal, but he chooses to be formal in his workplace because that differentiates it for him as well as shows such respect. And it's not because one is, you know, at a different level than the other, just that's how he chooses to conduct himself in his workplace. That's, that's very unique today. It is very unique. And he's just a treasure to the club. I really enjoy him whenever I see him. And, you know, it, it comes back to a different kind of respect. And I think, you know, even your story, when you just said, you know, sometimes if I check into a hotel, there's something wrong. And I say, I'm just going to go have a cup of coffee and I'll come back. That is a whole different level of respect as well. We're so quick to get, you know, frustrated or quick to make judgments sometimes or quick to make assumptions when we don't always have all the information. But regardless, when we do those things, and I've been guilty of them before. So now I'm sitting here kicking myself over a couple of things and I think I'm pretty good. But you know, it shows such respect even for that person who maybe didn't make the mistake at the at the front desk, but they're having to deal with it and own it. And then I can show them great respect by giving them the space enough to do what they need to do in their job. So it, it's just a different way of looking at how we interact with each other. 
we're so quick now and due to the internet and the anonymity that that gives us to be able to to lash out or to behave in a way that we just wouldn't treat people face to face and it's unfortunately i think it's starting to leak into our face to face interactions no one can solve a problem immediately with someone staring at them in all of our professions we need a moment to step back get some more information maybe check with someone else to see what they know um, and I, the more respect we give each other, just the better service we all give and get. I agree. And I, to your point about you know how easy it is in this faceless uh, time of social media to lash out or to say snippy things or just frankly to be rude. And there's so much that goes on that that's why my whole purpose, I guess my motto is that I don't post anything that's not you know, positive. And it doesn't mean that I, you know, am sugarcoating anything, but you don't hear about the negative experiences I have because I don't want to put them out there. All that does is, is create more angst or more negative, whereas celebrating the positive and celebrating the best gets us focused in a different direction. And I, to me, that's the one thing that's a little piece that I can do to try and, and make a difference in how we interact. Yes. And, you know, I read, I read your posts every day or as often as you post them. And I'd also love to see how you handle a situation that's bad and how you turn it around, because I bet you do have those situations where you turn them around. It is. It's so funny that you say that because I actually just, uh, I do have one post like that and uh, I have been uh, requested to do that more often. So I think actually starting this week, I'm going to begin, my Friday post is all going to be about turning things around. So I'm going to start to mix it up a little bit, but I, oh, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, one of the thing that I'm going to start with is going to be about, I'm not sure I've still been kind of writing in this in my head, but uh, if anyone who saw my post from a couple weeks ago, I had a very, very traumatic experience a few weeks ago, and I have been uh, loath to share it uh, yet because of a couple different reasons. Number one, I, I haven't figured out how to, to spin it all the way to the positive, <laughs> but I'm working on it. But the second is because there's going to be, I think, some maybe some negative feedback to me as I put this out, given the area where I live. So I know I'm being kind of cryptic, but it's really important to me to try and and share that you can take some horrible experiences and either find good or impact good or, you know, help that to, you know, at least give people some hope because then, then we're still moving in the right direction. I think the turnaround is a huge component in customer service because I think we really can get to that point of, of having a difficult experience pretty quickly. But it's the turnaround, how you capture someone or how, in my case, how I turn around of a, an event. One bad thing will happen at every wedding. I promise you. I've had people throw away guest books. I've ha had completely wrong flowers delivered. I've had cakes melt. I've had officiants not show up. Grooms show up drunk. It will happen. But how we deal with it and how we turn it around and keep the event going is really that's the professional part. I'm sorry. I'm kind of laughing about the groom showing up drunk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's terrible. It's been more, more than once. More than once. 
Oh boy, grooms out there do not show up drunk. That is not going to bode well for you. <laughs> I blame the groomsmen. I think the groomsmen do it. Give. I think the groomsmen are trying to relax the groom. Oh boy, yeah. and it gets out of hand. They relax a little too much. <laughs> well, so um, let me ask you this. So I've got you know kind of two other questions that I usually wrap up with. You know, the one is now that you know what you know, because obviously we've we're a little past high school and college these days. But, uh, you know, looking back on your career and all the things that you've done, what piece of advice would you want to be able to go back and give your younger self that, you know, that you maybe, maybe would have shocked your potential further, maybe just would, you know, keep you on the path you're on? You know, what kind of, what kind of things would you take, tell to the younger you? That, that's hard. I'd like to say, you know, work harder and be a bigger go-getter. But I, I needed the pace of my career to happen. I put myself through college working in restaurants and hotels. And so I graduated a little later. And I think I needed it. I think I needed to be humble. I think I needed to really struggle to make money for a while. And I think then I needed those years of just, I'll do anything for work. I'll stay late. I'll work every holiday. I'll do any of it. I guess though, one thing I would say in hospitality, and I would say also uh, being a female in terms of salary, I did skip around a lot in my younger career really to, to get more experience and make more, more money quickly. So I might have a job for a year, then I'd be offered a job that paid more money in a different hotel at a better title, and I'd skip to it. And so now when I look at my my career path, it looks like I jumped around a lot, whereas I know I did it because I wanted uh, more money and more growth quickly. So kind of the duality of speed myself up and slow myself down. <laughs> well, it almost sounds like you're saying, you know, that you'd give yourself the advice to give yourself a break that, you know, your path is your path and it's neither good, bad, nor ugly. It just is. It's hard to tell a 20 year old, you know, when you just, you think you need a certain title or a certain amount of pay. And I think now it's even harder on, on, um, young adults of that age. But I just, I, I, I was always looking for the new and better thing. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I think that it's a challenge that a lot of people face because by the time our generation was graduating from college or, or finishing high school, because not everybody went on to college, that you weren't seeing people go into careers for their entire lives. They weren't going into a company for 30 or 40 years. And, uh, but there, we were at that verge where that was still kind of an acceptable ideal and yet it wasn't reality and it wasn't going to get us where we needed to faster. And I was just reading on LinkedIn, they were talking about the same thing and in, in dealing with HR and how actually it's such a positive thing now in today's world because you're gaining new experience. You're working in different company, different societies and different groups and cultures, different company cultures. And it's seen as a positive, but whereas maybe we're the last generation that it was kind of holding us back to move around so much. I think so too. I really agree. Cause I, I did very similar things. I, I bounced around. I did a lot of different positions, but each time it was more money and it was more opportunity and it was more responsibility. So I think there was a time I felt the same way, like, oh my gosh, what's that look like on my resume? Mm-hmm. And another part of me said, you know what, girl, you can sell anything and spin anything. Yeah, <laughs> Just, exactly. you know, 
So just go with it. It's a part of who you are. <laughs> yes, you are adaptable. Yeah. And I think it's also what makes us, you and I both uh, entrepreneurs at heart, because, you know, to own your own business, uh, you know, to do your own thing takes takes a lot of guts. And some days it's very lonely and sometimes it's not very pretty. But in order to do it, you have to at least have enough guts to kind of, uh, you know, walk off the edge of the cliff. You know, and, and know that you're not going to, well, no, not that you know that you're not going to fall on your face. Know that you might and that that's okay. You'll still live. Yeah, that you'll get back up. It's how you take that, take that problem and turn it around. Absolutely. So then let me ask you one last question is, you know, from where your business is right now, do you have, are you facing any kind of challenge that, you know, you know that once you can overcome it, you can reach another level or just find more security? It doesn't mean that you have to have another level up, but just something that you know that in your business, you want to continue to master in order to uh, either move you forward or keep you going on the same trajectory? I think my answer would have been even different a couple of weeks ago. I really had to upgrade my online presence, my website, Instagram, Facebook, all the places that you can find Halo weddings and events. And I was really, um, I found the, the process a little daunting. Um, but I'm working with a good web designer and a good design company and kind of getting through all of that. So now I can focus once again on building my business. And as this world works, as soon as I kind of tackled the thing I was afraid to do, um, I started getting so many more inquiries and I have so many more proposals. I booked three weddings just last week. I'm right. We're in booking season, but that's a lot to do in a week. Um, for a wedding planner. And so now it's just getting more and more brides on board. I'd like to start building a staff, um, just growing the business that way. That's fantastic. And I, I, you know, as you're talking, you know, I'm smiling because we've (laughs) shared this before that before last April, I had never sent a tweet. (laughs) (laughs) And now, now I'm in the midst of trying to build both an Instagram and a Twitter following, which I finally broke 200 on one of them. And, you know, and I'm looking at people who have, you know, 200,000 and I'm just slowly eking my way up there to just get one more at a time. So if you're listening to this podcast, please follow me on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I follow you on LinkedIn. And so I've seen numbers grow and then I watch my numbers grow. But then, then I think, Michael, can it all just be our numbers? Can it really just be that simple that it's just more (laughs) numbers? Or is it just, you know, are you just going to hit that, those 25 people that it really makes a difference, that really hear you, that really like what you're doing? I don't know yet. Exactly. And I think that's exactly it, you know, because it's in it's engagement. I can't just and I think that's why I've been so slow in one format. I've used LinkedIn. That is my primary, um, you know, ground for Bill. Yeah, because and I and I I proactively um, search out 100 new connections that I want to make every week. Really? And that's a not, yep, that's a non-negotiable for me. So now I'm almost to 13,000. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because then I'm, con- you know, I'm really trying to to reach this one target audience to do more speaking that I think will embrace my book and my future books. So to me, that's a real proactive thing that I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the rest, I think, you know, I just kind of put out there what I think is working for me and we'll see what kind of adds to it. But that's my prime source is, is that I know that the people that are on LinkedIn actively 
are people that are interested in what I have to say. And then, you know, and that's reflective in, in the gigs that I'm booking now every day as well. So, you know, do what we do, what we do and, and embrace it when it works. <laughs> well, I'm going to steal that. I might bring it down to 50, but I'm going to steal that. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, I, gosh, even if you just proactively add 10 a week, you know, that you're, you know who you're trying to reach and you're trying to add them and you make that connection and you send a personal note. And, you know, anytime somebody uh, requests to connect with me, I always, when I accept it, I always say, thank you for inviting me to connect. How may I be of service? Because I want to know, I want them to know, I appreciate the fact that you reached out to me. And what's so very strange, I said this to my husband last night, in the last two weeks, I've had almost 20 CEOs from all kinds of industries reaching mm-hmm. out to connect with me. And all of a sudden I'm going, wow, <laughs> like there's something going on. Did I get put through some you know, CEO link, which is great, um, yeah. but it's exciting to start to see those things pull. So I get what you're saying with your business and I'm very proud of you for doing it as well. <laughs> we, we can learn. We're not so old. We can't learn these things. <laughs> well, no, just being ahead of the curve. I was just trying our best. <laughs> Absolutely. Haley, I am so glad that you joined me today. I think it's you you do some things that really help us to remember, you know, that that time together can make such a huge difference. So before we wrap up today, is there anything that you'd just like to share as a last thought, last uh, you know, just last sentiment that you want to leave our listeners with? I think in both of our professional lives and our personal life, that time that we spend face-to-face with others is invaluable. We're creating memories. We're changing careers and lives with this time spent with this face-to-face contact and to really strive to to make that time in your life uh, to be with the coworkers and with your family. And, you know, as you say that, just one last thought is before I do most of my presentations, I do this kind of challenge with people with their cell phones. And because I'm training people, I always say, you know, how many of you came here to learn? Oh, you know, they're all going to raise their hand. How many of you want to improve yourself? You know, I'm going to raise my hand. Or, you know, if you're at a wedding, how many of you came here because you love these people? But how many of us are still glancing down at our cell phones, even if the ringer's off, even if the buzzer's off, because we are so much more likely to be addicted to that drug rather than to take the time and breathe and just be present to give Mm -hmm. ourselves the opportunity to be a part of that wedding and have the joy of every second of it to, you know, to be at that meeting and know that this could be something that develops you to the next level of your career. And, and I think that what you do, and especially the way you pull it through all those other people that are making that day happen, Haley, I think that's really, it's a really beautiful sentiment. Just kind of stop, embrace it and be one with that moment. Absolutely. I completely agree. So thank you again. It's been wonderful having you. Oh, certainly. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.